0: From Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show.
1: So I know some of you are living really well right now, and some of you are not happy at all. I'm getting at this. Two days ago, Philly fan got nice. Philly fan got the ultimate signal from Philly Baseball Club when they signed Trey Turner. Signal being, you know, the fan, the signal that every single fan base wants, but not every single fan base gets. The sign that we're all in. We're serious. It's win now mode. It's freaking go time. We don't care what it costs. We don't care what we have to do. We're in it to win it. How many fan bases can honestly say that that's the message they're getting from their team? Not many. Philadelphia can. And that's what happens when you commit a cool bill, with a B, bill, to six players. It sends a very clear signal. However... Philly fan is not the only fan getting that message this week. You know where I'm headed next. You know who's going to get that run. I'm going with San Diego. or well, you cannot say the Padres are not trying. Absolutely. Last night, Xander Bogarts became a Padre 11 years. A staggering 280 mil. And I better hear some reaction, Padre fan. Because that's big. That's huge. And one of the true shockers of the MLB hot stove season, which hasn't just been hot, it has been on fire this entire offseason. That hot stove has turned into an incinerator. And that's what the Padres lineup could be as well this summer. Check out that lineup. A lineup that potentially will have the likes of Xander, Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, and Bogarts. Sounds pretty damn good, doesn't it? I see you working Padres. I see you hustling. I see you spending. I see you splashing cash all around. I see you making it rain. I see you going all in. I see you going hard. I see you doing everything you possibly can to become that team. Check out these offers that San Diego slammed on the negotiating table in the last week alone. 342 mil for Trey Turner. Didn't get it done. Reportedly, 400 mil for Aaron Judge. Didn't get it done. And now 280 mil for Bogarts, which I love. Like, no matter how many times they get let down or disappointed or somebody turned them down, they're like, whatever. Keep going. Keep hustling. Keep trying. It's not how many no's, it's how many yeses. We need the one big yes. San Diego is not playing. Owner Peter Seidler is trying to deliver a baseball team worthy of the greatest city in America. America's finest city, San Diego. Slam also, Diego. something worthy of competing with the Dodgers in the NL West. And then, of course, something much bigger than even the division itself because you do not throw around that kind of jack just to get over on L.A., just to win the NL West. You don't spend that kind of money for just that. Listen, I understand, too. I understand that that is a bleep ton of money, a ton of money, a ton of money and a ton of years, especially for a 30-year-old shortstop. Probably too much money, probably too many years but I don't care. It's not my money, and it's worth it. Just as I said yesterday about the Yankees and Aaron Judge, they're not thinking about the back end of that deal. Padre Fan and Padre Front Office are not worried about the year 2033. They don't care about that. Maybe they should, but they don't, at least not right now, and I love it. Padre Fan and Padre Front Office are locked in on trying to win it all right bleeping now. So I love that move. Now, if you really want to know if it's worth it or not, check in on Red Sox fan today. Check in with a chowd today. And I don't mean me. I mean a full 100% chowd. I am only half chowd. I don't root. And I'm only half chowd. Find a full chowder head. Find a full Red Sox fan and ask him or her how they feel about this. Check in with a full Chowd and a full-fledged Red Sox fan and be prepared to hear somebody who is really pissed off and devastated. Chowtown, basically in mourning right now, and they should be. If Mookie Betts was the one that got away, then Xander Bogarts is the One that shouldn't get away. You know, like the other one that got away. If Mookie Betts was the enormous mistake that should have never, ever been repeated, then Bogarts is the other enormous mistake that just did get repeated. I mean, damn, Boston. You're losing all of your players to SoCal. You're losing all of your players, period. Period. Yes, that contract is a lot of money, and it's a lot of years, but... Better to be in that spot with a stacked lineup gunning for a hunk of metal than wherever the hell the Red Sox are right now, which is essentially in hell. It's a ball club that went just 78-84 and, and just arguably saw their best player in face of the franchise walk right out that door, which means it's now happened two times in three years. Two times in three years, Red Sox fan has had to see arguably the best player and face of the franchise leave town. And that, Chouds, in the infamous words of Pervin Lyre, is heartbreaking and devastating. Just devastating. Heartbreaking. I can say something else. And for a franchise like that, I would add to it, unacceptable. A similar deal to the Yankees and Arson. Aaron Judge, it should have never come to this. Yankees played games, they got burned, but they got lucky. Red Sox played games, they just got burned. To the crisp. Boston's last offer reportedly to Bogarts before the season was one year, $30 million. An extension, one year, $30 million. Then on top of his three-year, 60-million-player option that he already had on the table. So if I'm doing the math right, essentially what their final offer was heading into the season, four years, 90 mil. And that was back in March. Wonder why he turned that down. Nine months later, that $90 million offer that he had previously turned into a $280 million offer. 11 years, 280 which makes the Red Sox look ridiculous. ridiculous. It makes them look non-competitive. And it's not like they were any more competitive this winter. Check out this tweet from Pete Abraham of the Boston Globe. Quote, one final note before signing off. The Red Sox did not finish second, third, or maybe even fourth. Via various sources, there were three to four other teams willing to go to $200 or more on Bogarts. He wowed teams in interviews. Sox valued their own player differently than other teams did. End of quote. So not only did the Red Sox lowball their own star, they value him differently than other teams do. It seems like they undervalued their own guy by about 100 mil, which begs a question, the same question that every Red Sox fan is asking right now. The hell is going on in Boston What are we even doing here? What are we doing here? I mean, I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Like, the Yankees look pretty bad in that Aaron Judge saga. Somehow the Red Sox look even worse. At least the Yankees got their guy. Should have never come to this. They overpaid. They could have had him cheaper. But at least they got their guy. At least he's still there. The Red Sox just lost another one. Meanwhile, the Vibes down the road, in San Diego, are freaking incredible. I mean, they always are, but the vibes around the Padres have never been better than right now because they are stacked, once again. They've got bats, they've got arms, they've got a world-class manager, they've got a GM with zero fear, and they've got an owner making it rain. They're doing everything they possibly can to win it all. But, but, they're not there yet. As far as I'm concerned, there is one more move, one more big swing, maybe the most critical and at the same time challenging move of all. Maybe the most important. What I'm talking about is the finishing piece, the finishing move, the last piece. And what that finishing move is, is they have to find a way to trade the that's what's in
0: really going down to yellow and brown that's, that's what's in get
1: them the hell out of that incredible city Let's go,
0: Goose. that's what's in
1: get rid of those knobs send them as far away as possible trade them to another state another country another continent another planet another galaxy another universe another reality Another timeline, another plane of existence. Hell, straight to the sun for all I care. I don't even care about the specifics. Just get them the hell out of San Diego. I don't want them anywhere near America's finest city because those dudes completely killed the vibes this past postseason. They killed the vibes. They humiliated the finest city in America. And they actually did put one of those so-called poos. Hexy on the Padres.
0: I put a hex on you.
1: Right. One of those. That can't happen. Clones, what do we want? When we're craving protein or we need more energy, not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. No, we want beef. Pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky. Shriveled, dry, and tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and it's tasty. It's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein, and it comes in four amazing flavors that satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name, because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? We cannot see that happen again. This squad is way too exciting, way too good, and there is way too much money committed to let a bunch of tasteless morons bring the whole entire thing down. You might think they're 15 minutes ended, but I know better. I know what happens as soon as the Padres make it back to the postseason. Good morning, San Diego. We'll call these clowns right back up clowns probably bring them into the studio this time for a full interview and let them have some small set where they break out some of their new material an interview and a performance you know like do them they do on morning shows with real bands you sit them down you let them preview their new record they perform yet no 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 that's what's in. no 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 we can't have that So, A.J. Preller, Peter Seidler, Bob Melvin, all icons. I don't need to tell any of those three what to do, except as it relates to this. You do have one more move. I don't care how it gets done. I don't care who gets it done, but it needs to be done. Get them the hell out of that town. It's just not worth the risk, man. As far as the Red Sox, again. Fenway Park, Fenway Park or Fenway Farms, because Boston is now the farm system for Cali baseball. Never mind waiting for prospects to blossom in the minor leagues. Just roll right into Fenway and get them ripe. The best of the best. The ones that are already stars and ready to roll. You don't need to develop them. You just need to take them off the Red Sox hands because clearly they don't want them. I would assume that Rafael Devers is next on the bargain shelf for the Giants. Like Fenway Farms is one of those farms that you see in the middle of nowhere, right? You're on this long road trip and you're driving and you're driving and you're driving. Then all of a sudden there it is. Hey, there's Fenway Farms. Ten avocados, one dollar. You know the signs. 10 avocados for $1. 50 sweet corn for 2 bucks. Pick your own fresh strawberries. Get your blueberries. Oh, and pick your own all-stars. The Padres were on that roadie. They pulled over, and they grabbed a Xander. Like in the past, the Dodgers would drive by and remember that they got Manny and Nosemar. So they know. They went on a road trip. They made a stop. They pulled a mookie. Fenway Farms, man, they've got it all. They've got everything you need for the fam. They've got donkeys out front so the kids can take pics while sitting on a donkey. During Halloween, they'll have a corn maze. During the spring, they'll have a petting zoo. And you can ride a pony, tractor rides for the entire family, while sitting on bales of hay. Good place to get your holiday cards done. Hey, by the way, send me your holiday cards to Rome at habitat.com. You know, once you're at Fenway Farms, not only can you get all-stars and Hall of Famers, you can get some homemade ciders, apple, pear, rhubarb, get a little buzz on. Yeah! You know, I think about that. Makes me want to change my mind about our Christmas break plans. Instead of going to Mexico, I think I might just make a road trip to Fenway. Fenway Farms. Hey, chowds, another one just got away. To quote my famous 100% chowd father. How's that grab ya? He'd say that. How's that grab ya? Meanwhile, San Diego reaction. I love how hard they're going. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know that you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection, the latest innovation from Discover? Discover will help regularly remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data. And they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. Ryan Shazier is my guest. Ryan, great to have you on. How are you?
2: We're doing good. Thank you for having me, Jim.
1: It's good to have you, Ryan. Really appreciate it. So you're an inspiration to so many people. I want to get to your podcast momentarily, but I want to ask you about the book that I mentioned, Walking Miracle. How did you take football, your love of football, and use that as a way to progress forward and carry on with your path once you were hurt. What did football do in that regard?
2: So football, like it does with a lot of things in life, it kind of taught me discipline. It kind of taught me how to overcome. It, it taught me just things aren't going to always go your way. So when I was going through my injury, it allowed me to use those lessons and just understanding how to deal with injuries, understanding how to deal with rehab and just really focus in on that. So, Every time I reached a goal, I would call it a first down. I know I played defense, but I'll call it a first down. And then when something was really important to me, I would call it a touchdown. So I I just allowed those football moments in my life to be able to – pushed me forward to being the guy I wanted to be.
1: Ryan Shazier joining us. I love the analogy, first downs, touchdowns. And I think also many of us will never forget the image of you walking on stage back in 2018 at the NFL Draft, only one year after you were injured with your then fiance and now-wife, Michelle. Ryan, when you think back on that night, what do you remember most and how emotional was that for you?
2: It was a very emotional moment for me because I remember when I first agreed to do it, I talked to Roger Goodell, and I told him, hey, I think I'll be able to walk by the time of the draft. But if you would ask asked my trainer, he would have said, man, Ryan, you kind of put a lot of pressure on us. And that's one thing that football helped me out with and that I really remember is the pressure that I put on myself to be able to get back to that moment. And I'm really happy that I was able to do that because I was able to walk out in the draft just to let everybody know that I was blessed enough to be able to walk again. I just wanted to thank everybody, you know, that sent out prayers for me, that was wishing the best for me. And I thought that was a good way of showing people, hey, Ryan is getting better from the situation that he was in.
1: Ryan Shays here joining us. He's got a brand new podcast, which we'll get into momentarily. Ryan, I want to ask you also, I think, about Tua Tungavailoa, I think a lot of people thought of you when they saw him suffer that concussion back in September because you suffered your injury in a primetime game in Cincinnati. In fact, you went to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, the same facility that Tua went to. What was your reaction when you saw what happened to him?
2: So when I saw what happened to him, I didn't really have the same reaction that a lot of other people had. So when I see uh, other players get hurt, the first thing I always look for is just if their legs are moving, if they're able to move their lower body. But the first thing I really thought about was just when I see him get hit and his arms lock up the way they did, I was thinking more of UFC. Like, I, I watch a lot of UFC. I watch a lot of Bellator. And I know sometimes when somebody gets a concussion or they get knocked out that, you know, they lock up in that type of uh, situation. But I knew with him being in Cincinnati that, that you know, like, like I put on this post right here, that that is a great hospital network. They do a great job with just trying to do what's best for the for the person that they're taking care of at that time. And I just knew that I was in good hands, and Tua was in good hands when he was in the hospital.
1: Ryan Shay's here joining us. So a quick follow up: If you watch a lot of MMA, a lot of Bellator, a lot of UFC, who's your favorite fighter? Who are guys you identify with?
2: So I'm gonna be honest. My favorite fighter is a good friend of mine. His name is Dalton Roster. He's actually like like ranked four or five in Bellator middleweight right now, but if you was to talk about big name fighters, uh, if we're talking about UFC, I'm a big uh, uh, Israel Adesanya fan. I like uh, uh and I like uh Ngannou in, in a lot.
1: Ryan Shazier here joining us. I see you working. I feel that. And hey, let me ask you. You obviously still love the game. So let me talk about the Steelers for one moment. They take on the Ravens on Sunday. When you played Ryan in Pittsburgh. I mean, you've been in the middle of that rivalry. How intense were those matchups? And what are some of the moments that stand out to you most about that rivalry?
2: That rivalry is just so intense. It's it's crazy because it doesn't matter how good each team is. It's going to be a a, a tough game. It's going to be a tough rivalry. It's going to be a physical game. Both of us like to run the ball. Both of us like to play physical football. And you see that when you're watching the game, and you definitely feel it when you're playing. And it doesn't matter if Lamar is hurt or Ben was hurt or one of the main guys was hurt. The physicality is still coming out on that field. And some of the things that I can remember when I was playing was, like, I have two moments. One moment was when I caught an interception in, baltimore the year i got hurt i remember i did the ray lewis dance and i was just playing around and i was just happy about having a turnover but i also remember when we played them in the playoff game before and justin tucker hit a uh but like a 55 yard field goal to you know kick us out of the playoffs so it just lets me know like just the big moments that we've had in those games and it was, just, uh, it was just an amazing rivalry to play when I was playing.
1: I love that. Ryan Shays here joining us. I mentioned you're the co-host of Don't Call It a Comeback. It's a podcast from Wondery, which highlights some of the best comebacks in sports. Given everything that you've gone through, how important is it for you, Ryan, to tell these comeback stories, and then what are some of the subjects you've been focusing on?
2: So to me, I feel like it's very important for me to be able to come back and tell these stories. I, I've had a comeback that a lot of people recognize, a lot of people know, a lot of people support it. But just the fact that we can talk about just players that were counted out, that people just thought their their careers were over like a, a Geno Smith, to coming back and being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and leading his team to possibly the playoffs this year, to also having uh, – Uh, Teams like the University of Michigan, where we talked about their long run of uh, losing streak to Ohio State to actually coming back and playing against us, to even talking about Justin Verlander and allowing him to be able to come back off of the injuries he's had, win a game in the World Series and then also win the World Series himself. So it was just awesome just to have these type of stories to be able to talk about just comeback stories because people love comeback stories. They love to see people overcome. And I think it's very important to be able to talk about those. Well,
1: oh, I do too. People do love a comeback. I love the reinvention concept too. So Ryan, for instance, I mean, you're you're so strong physically. You're so strong mentally. And football gave you a lot of that. But you know how it is. Like literally everybody watching right now, Or listening is going through something I can almost guarantee that everybody is always going through something and not everybody's got that same kind of mental fortitude or that physical strength or have been through what you've been through what would you say to somebody right now who feels like they're coping with something that's bigger than them and they don't know what to do and they think they can't handle it
2: so I think the biggest thing just when you're talking to somebody that's going through a a lot of adversity, a lot of uh, toughness right now, I think the biggest thing is you have to really focus on that no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you're doing in life, life is going to throw you a curveball. When I got hurt, I w- I felt like I was one of the best players in the NFL. And it just, you know, that's everybody's decision. You know, you they can make an opinion on that. But one thing I did learn is that no matter who you are, or what you're doing, that life can throw you a curveball, or your life can change in a matter of seconds. And you just have to have a great perspective on what you're dealing with and what you're going through to be able to overcome it and just understand that if you believe that you can overcome something, if you want something bad enough that it's possible, and you were able to see that with me walking again, and that can happen with anybody with whatever they're trying to do.
1: I think that's so important, Ryan. And not only that, not only knowing that that curveball is coming, and you know it's coming, because no matter what, it's coming. But if you know it's coming, you should be doing everything you can on a daily basis to set yourself up for that when it comes. Because it's not a question of if, it's a matter of when. We know this. Before I let you go, let me ask you about the Steelers. They have won back-to-back games. They're now 5-7. and seven. How much improvement have you seen from rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett since he took over?
2: I'm really excited how Kenny's playing. Because at the beginning of the year, he was thrown in in the midst of the season. He didn't have a lot of reps with his receivers and tight ends and running backs through camp because, you know, he was practicing with the second and third team. He had a little bit of reps with George Pickett. But to me, I really think with him understanding the offense, with him actually getting used to the guys a little bit more, after this bye week, he's he's taking care of the ball. And I think that Kenny's going to be a really phenomenal player. It just he needed his time to gauge the offense Gain chemistry with everybody, and we've been able to see that in his last two, three games. He hasn't really been turning the ball over. He turned the ball over a decent amount his first few games, but he's a rookie quarterback in the middle of the season. Now we're actually seeing him being able to move the offense and in, in put us in position to win games, and I think Kenny's doing a great job right now.
1: Ryan Shazier, my guest. Ryan, one last thought. You talked about what it was like to be in the middle of that Steelers-Ravens rivalry, which is incredible. You're also part of one of the biggest college rivalries, too, Ohio State-Michigan. What was it like to be in the middle of that game and that rivalry?
2: And that that game was is such a big game, and it just it's so much weight that's on your shoulders because you're 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 playing for the 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 great state of Ohio, and then obviously it's so much rivalry from that game because of just the history of the rivalry. So when you're playing the team up north and. All that goes into it and understanding that you have to go through them to win a championship every single year. It really means a lot. And I know this year has been a kind of tough year for us with us losing to uh, Michigan. But one thing I do know is that we're going to be ready to play. This week, I mean, not this week, but in the college football playoffs. And I know that if we get the opportunity to play them again, is no bigger stage than beating them on the national championship. Wouldn't
1: that be something? He is a former Stewart's linebacker, a two time Pro Bowler. He's got a brand new co- podcast out too. It's called Don't Call It a Comeback. Great, great co- podcast. Host of 50 Phenoms and wrote a great book too called Walking Miracle. Ryan Shazier, my guest. Ryan, really good to have you back. It's always good to talk to you. Appreciate the energy and the message. Thank you so much for that.
2: No, thank you for having me. I'm really glad to be able to join again. And it's it's always a good time talking to you.
1: Hey, Jim Rome here. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. An egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. You can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. I'm not kidding. Try a pizza on the egg. It'll amaze you. Stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs, too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg. It's a ceramic marvel backed by a lifetime warranty. It's simple to light, easy to use, and it works without a power source, so there's no need to plug anything in. And with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. It also makes an amazing gift, and they have two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's BigGreenEgg.com, and you will thank me later. Micah Parsons found himself in a world of trouble this morning when he went right to Twitter and thumbed out the following, quote, wait. Nah. We left a Marine? Hell nah. So that was his initial reaction. He's got a number of members of his family that are in the military, and he didn't like that. See, the fact of the matter is, I'm not privy to the negotiation, but that Paul Whelan has been there since, I want to say, 2018, and the government... The U.S. government, the administration, is trying to get him out as well. I think that many were of the opinion or the belief that this could have been a package deal. That why didn't we, quote, see again, we're grading the trade. We should not be doing that. I'm not doing that. A lot of you are saying, why didn't we get, quote, why didn't we get more for an arms dealer, the merchant of death, somebody that dangerous, somebody who was doing 20 years' time? Why didn't we get more? Why didn't we get Paul Whelan as well? Why didn't we get, quote, more than just a WNBA player? I'm not saying that at all. But I'm going to say that like 75 or 80% of you are saying that. Like you're trying to grade this as a trade. There are not conditional hostages or compensatory hostages. There are not hostages to be named later. They're not conditional hostages or escalating hostages. This was not the trade deadline. It's not backloaded either. This was a swap of prisoners. And the administration was under immense pressure to get everybody who is being held right now, and notably those two. And Brittany Griner's coming home. So Micah Parsons first tweeted that, made a lot of people really angry with that, and then had a series of tweets which followed. Quote, my last tweet was no shot at Brittany Griner. I'm super happy she's back home, as she should be. I just have family who have served, and it's crazy to me that the president wouldn't bring him home too. I am the furthest thing from a Trump supporter, but I'm not a fan of Biden either. So the beginning of an apology, but an explanation. And again, is this a matter of the administration choosing her over him? I'm not saying that at all. I think the Russians see it in a different way. I I don't know with certainty. But she was arrested for drug smuggling charges. Weowan is being held for espionage. And this was not a package deal. It was a one-for-one one swap. And again, I'm not here to grade the trade like a lot of you. I mean, a lot of you are sitting here like, "What? quote, why didn't we get more? <laughs> Bella, Danny Ainge would have gotten more. So then Parsons continued, quote, this is a series of tweets. Here's the next one. Quote, just spoke to some people that I respect and trust. I should have been more educated on the topic and not tweeted out of emotion for my family and others who have served. For that, I apologize. Also, if what I'm told about the attempts to bring retired Marine Paul Whelan home are true. He then tweets, quote, then the best outcome was accomplished. I pray Mr. Whelan comes home, but I'm extremely happy for Brittany and her family. I am too prideful to admit Or I'm not too prideful to admit when I've made a mistake. You know, another reason, I I always said this, right when I got on Twitter, and I'm not a super high-volume shooter, and it's gotten way more dangerous than it ever was, but when I first got on, I used to say things like, here's the thing about Twitter, and it's a bad analogy, I don't like the analogy now, but back when I first got on in maybe 2009, remember I used to say, Twitter is a loaded gun. And it will go off. There is no safety. You have to be responsible in the way you use it. Don't tweet angry. Don't tweet drunk. Be careful. You know, because what do you do? I'm not saying this is the case with him. But just generally, sometimes when you're upset, what do you do? You reach right for your phone. It's like the worst thing you could do. And just vent out on social media. Because then it's there and it's in ink and it's never going away. No matter how many times you apologize. Somebody will have the screenshot. Somebody will have the original tweet. That's why you can't even delete tweets, because somebody will have a screenshot. This guy writes, Dear Mr. Rome, this is a more serious email. I was hoping Paul Whelan would be negotiated as part of the prisoner exchange as well. Heart goes out to that family and all the people and families wrongly incarcerated. To happier holidays. Iggy, exactly. Exactly. That guy nailed it. That's exactly how I feel. I don't know whether or not he was part of that negotiation. Probably he was. Probably he was, and they couldn't get him out. Hopefully they continue to try to negotiate to bring him home and anybody else who is falsely or wrongly incarcerated. But a lot of you just want to keep saying that this was a bad trade and, quote, we should have gotten more. Today's show tweets, a senior U.S. official tells NBC News they tried everything they could to get Paul Whelan out. But, quote, they are treating him differently. They say he is an espionage case. They said the choice was either one or none. End of quote. All right. If that's true, then that would give you some explanation as to why that went down the way it went down. Why she's coming home and why he's not that the Russians see this as two totally different situations. Quote, they say he is an espionage case. They said the choice was either one, Greiner, or none. Also from the Today Show, quote, people familiar with the negotiations for his release say the Russians refused to release Whelan without getting a Russian spy in return. Then you've got the family of Paul Whelan. According to the Associated Press, David Whelan said in a statement, quote, As the family member of a Russian hostage, I can literally only imagine the joy that she will have being reunited with her loved ones and in time for the holidays. There is no greater success than for a wrongful detainee to be freed and for them to go home the Biden administration, quote, made the right decision to bring Ms. Griner home and to make the deal that was possible rather than waiting for one that wasn't going to happen. All right, that's a direct quote from Paul Whelan's brother. So from the sounds of things, the administration did try to get him out, is still trying to get him out. But the Russians did not see that swap as an even swap. They're seeing it as a different case. Listen, nobody's happy about that situation. Nobody's happy that he's not coming home. But you should be happy that she is. 1-800-636-8686. So that is the big story of the morning, the breaking news. In other stories, we talked about the Red Sox letting another one get away. I want to get into Andrew Luck. He's finally spoken. He was so private for so long about why he retired and when he retired and why he decided not to come back. Seth Wickersham did a great, great piece. This guy owns pieces like this. He did a great piece for ESPN on that very topic. So I want to get to that too. And your beefs. And your beefs. The beef segment looks like the top of hour number three. If there's anything you want to beef about, you want to start setting it up right now. Call me with a beef, 1-800-636-8686. Tweet me your beef, at Jim Rome. Email me a beef at Rome at haveatake.com, R-O-M-E, at haveatake.com. We will do that at the top of hour number three. Also coming up in about 10 minutes, the head basketball coach at Arkansas, Eric Musselman. Mus is doing what he does, building out teams, winning a lot of games, doing it a certain way. He must joins me at 1020. Now, if I ever told the story, I would say probably my oldest friend or the guy that I've known longest in this business of all, of any one person, is Eric Musselman. I know for a fact he's the one guy that I've interviewed the longest than anybody else I've ever talked to in this business. E. Musk was a guy that I used to interview when I was in Santa Barbara. Never mind the early San Diego days. When I was in Santa Barbara trying to get to San Diego, when I got my first ever talk show, a one-hour nightly show in Santa Barbara in the late 1980s. Emus was one of my first prominent guests, and he and I have been talking for decades ever since. So we'll carry that conversation on, too, at 1020. All right, let's go to the phones. We go to Hawaii. Scott in Hawaii. Good to have you. Scott, how are you?
0: How's it going, Jimmy?
1: Good, dude. Aloha from Hawaii. Aloha, my brother. What's on your mind? Right, just, I just wanted to make a quick comment on the Brittany Griner situation.
0: Uh, I'm not going to bang it too much. Um, pretty much what uh, Paul's brother said pretty much wraps it, wraps it up and kind of puts it in perspective as far as that goes. Um, it's unfortunate that he that he couldn't be a part of the, the deal, but we all know what, what goes on in politics. That's all i got to say about that. Looking forward to a win for my Raiders tonight. Hopefully, he can roll on four tonight. Um, Rams not looking good. Don't think Baker Mayfield is going to make a big uh, impact on the team after only two days. And uh, just, uh,
1: I'm going. I'm Raider bomb. I'm out. All, All right, off. Scott. Aloha means goodbye and hello. Appreciate your thoughts. That's a Raider fan feeling it. You should. You should be feeling it. The Raiders have won three in a row. They were dead in the water. They lost to Jeff Saturday's Indianapolis Colts. Things could not look worse. And all of a sudden now, they've run off three in a row. And technically, they're still in the hunt. They're still alive. And they take on the Rams tonight. And they are six or seven-point favorites, depending on where you look. Let's quickly go to Denver, Dub. It's good to have you, Dub. How are you?
0: Jumpman? Thank you for the vine. Hey, real quickly on this Brittany Griner thing if we can all get past the whaling and the gnashing of teeth, you know, what do we have here? We have a high value asset that we exchange for a high profile asset. And my question to everyone that is really upset about this trade is, did anybody really know who Paul Whalen was before Brittany Griner got incarcerated? We should be thankful that we got something in return. And now with the exposure we can put pressure on our administration to do what needs to be done to get him home as well. That's all I got on that. Unwar, Russ Wilson becoming great value Wilson upon getting in Denver. Out.
1: All right, Dub, appreciate that. I would just say this. For those of you who are so upset about what we got in that trade, for those of you so upset that Paul Williams not coming home, the opinion I care most about, frankly, is the opinion of his own family. And I read what his brother had to say. I guarantee they're devastated. I guarantee they were hopeful. Hopeful that he was going to be a part of this. Or that he might come home in time for the holidays. Of course. You know. I guarantee that family wants their son or brother home more than you do. I guarantee it means more to them than it does to you. I guarantee they're devastated. But at the same time, they understand. So his brother's opinion means more to me than pretty much anybody else's opinion. That's his blood. And what he said was, quote, the Biden administration, quote, made the right decision to bring Miss Griner home and to make the deal that was possible rather than waiting for one that was not going to happen. That says everything right there. The other deal is not in place. There is no deal, unfortunately, for Wheelan. But there was a deal for Brittany Griner. Notice his own family's not saying, well, wait a minute. Why her and not us? Because that's not what it was. It wasn't her or him. They just said it themselves. There was not a deal on the table. There was not a deal in place. But there was a deal to be done for her, so they made the deal and she's coming home, and that's a great thing. Yes, they would love to have their son and brother home, and want the administration to continue to apply pressure and try to get that deal done. But it wasn't one or the other. They didn't pick her over him. Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com is with me now. You've actually started a new operation, a new wing, Omega Funding Solutions. Exactly what is that and how does that work? You file an amended payroll tax return with the IRS and the IRS is backed up. You know, they were hit by COVID too. They had the pandemic to deal with. So it's taking them anywhere from six months to a year to process these refunds. So we came out with a solution where we can help you get access to that cash earlier in as as little as two weeks. See if you qualify for an ERC tax refund from the IRS, OmegaTaxCredits.com com. Eric Musselman is my guest. E. Mus, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing great, JR. Thanks so much for having me back in the jungle. Mus, always great to have you in the jungle. In fact, bring me up today because it's been a pretty eventful start to the season. As I mentioned, Mus, you're already eight and one. You're ranked in the top 10. You're coming off back-to-back trips to the Elite Eight. How are you feeling about your team and the way things are shaping up so far?
0: Well, Jim, it's, it's been an interesting uh, season. You know, we uh, we started off the year with uh, Nick Smith, um, you know, a five-star recruit uh, who's got incredible, you know, potential for the next level being injured. Um, and then we finally got uh, Nick uh, back in the fold. And, and uh, you know, we got unfortunate news uh, yesterday that, 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 that our, you know, one of our premier upfront guys, Trevin Brazil, is, is out with the season ending the injury. So we we really only had one game with the full roster and we're gonna have to continue to adjust and, and evolve on who we are because uh, you know Brazil was such an important part of, of who we were and and Nick Smith obviously coming back. Um, you know, that that's an adjustment as well. So a lot of moving parts to, to, to the style and identity Uh, where we are today and, and possibly where we would be come March.
1: Eric Musselman joining us. I was going to ask you, Mus, about Brazil. It's just such a devastating thing. He tore an ACL on Tuesday night. His season's over. How are his spirits right now? And then secondarily, Eric, as a head coach, what do you say to a player when something that devastating happens? What can you say?
0: Well, I think to answer the second part, Jr., there's, there's, you know, all you can do is, is 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 wrap your arms around a student athlete. You know, let him know, you know, that you're here to support him. The entire staff. Um, I just got done meeting with, with Trevin and his and his and his dad, um, and and we just talked about the process of of trying to get the swelling down. Um, you know, possibly doing the surgery right after Christmas. Um, you know, putting together a, a a plan for him in the weight room uh, for for him to work on his upper body strength and and then and then what the rehab process would look like. But I think most importantly is uh, you know the student athlete understanding that he's still a huge part of our team. We want him to go on road trips uh, when he can um, and 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 just trying to keep the, the the emotional and mental spirits up and he he's actually doing. Uh, pretty well for someone that just found out that their season's over after, you know, putting in a lot of work in the off season.
1: Talking to Eric Musselman, E. then what's that do to the rest of his team? Like, these are his brothers, and they say they see one of their brothers go down the way he did, and everybody understands that injuries are a part of the game, but what is your message to the team in the aftermath of something like that? Because this is not an easy guy to next man up.
0: Yeah, You're exactly right, Jim. I mean, you're talking about a six-foot. 11 player who plays the small forward power forward when we played small ball the center so i mean we're not going to be able to replace his unique skill set i I do think when it happened in game uh that it really really affected all of us um you know i could tell by the look on the players faces um i i felt kind of discombobulated and and the game did not seem as important uh, while it was going on, as other games did, just because of, 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 a, of a player going down and knowing you know, that, that it probably was, was, was not going to be an injury, that he was going to be able to come back from based on what the trainers and doctors had, had said at, at halftime. Uh, but, but what we need to do is we need to now figure out uh, what style we need to play, um, who's going to take the minutes, uh that, that that Brazil had for us. That, that'll be, you know, really important. And then what skill set does the player that does take those minutes, what what skill set does he bring offensively, defensively? And then how do we fit it all together? I, I did talk to the team about, you know, Lindsay Drew had torn his Achilles uh when we were at Nevada. He was our starting point guard. Um as important a player as we had and we moved Cody Martin from the power forward spot to the point guard spot, and then we ended up uh, playing in, in in a Sweet 16 game and lost to Loyola and, and Porter Mosier. Um, we, so we were really a basket away from making an Elite Eight after our, our point guard and our team leader went down with a torn Achilles. So we've been through the process before. Um, hopefully our team will be able to adjust much like the Nevada team was able to.
1: I appreciate that response. Eric Musselman, head coach of Arkansas, is joining us. You know, Mush, you're doing what you do. You're doing what what you've always done. You're building, you're developing players, of course, recruiting hard. The game has changed so much. I'm curious, when you hit the recruiting trail now, Eric, generally, what are players looking for? Like, are they still looking first and foremost to get to the association? Are they looking for the best NIL deal they can get? Is it winning? Is it minutes? Is it education? Like, when you're out there right now and you're pitching and recruiting, what's coming back? What do the players want now?
0: Yeah, I think I think for sure the guys that, that we have been recruiting, it's it's you know how do I how do I further my career to play beyond college? How do I how do I you know potentially become an NBA draft pick? What is my role going to be? Uh, what are my minutes? Uh, maybe what are my shot attempts? All those things are part of the conversation. Um, I think playing you know what conference do they want to play in uh, is really important. I, you know I think that. For every coach of every sport collegiately, uh, name, image, and likeness it has become a new factor—not necessarily in recruiting, but it has become, um, you know, a part of the landscape. Um, and and I, I do think that maybe just from talking uh, to people, that maybe in, in football uh, that's become a little bit bigger factor uh, than in basketball. Although it's a, it's a factor for for all coaches. From a recruiting standpoint, uh, we have not. We we still feel like playing in the NBA is 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 the number one priority with with most recruits that we have uh, in depth discussions with.
1: I understand your point that football is different than basketball, but I know you. I know that you study other sports. You study other coaches. You study other leaders. I'm really curious. Have you had any chance, and you're focused on what you have in front of you, but have you taken a look at what quote Coach Prime is doing? Like, Deion Sanders, it's just fascinating, right? The way he's going about this, the way everything is social media, the way he is rolling video on everything, the way he is extremely brash and very honest. Like, he comes to Colorado, and one of the first things, Eric, he tells his players is, you best hit the portal the more of you who do opens up more spaces for us and by the way I brought my own baggage and it's Louie and he's saying things like this you know a lot of the kids absolutely love him and can't wait to commit not everybody gets it I'm just kind of curious from where you're sitting have you been watching that and what do you make of it
0: it's funny because yesterday I printed a bunch of articles uh on you know I just kind of google searched Colorado football and and to see what their social media uh, has done the growth in that, the growth in season tickets, uh, the interest that it's going to draw, uh, with prospective recruits. Um, you know, the one thing with, with coach prime is, that you got to really, really respect, uh, is that, that he, you know, he paid his dues in the coaching profession. Uh, you know, he went, ran his own program, uh, has gone, you know, from an HBCU to, 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 to the Pac 12 now. Um, and, 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 and I really admire guys that, you know, that, that, that go take a a coaching job at whatever level that it may be basketball. It might be a minor league coach or a division three coach or whatever. And then, uh, you win and you're able to elevate, uh, but, but it, it truly is fascinating his honesty. Um, and then I think with the players like, Hey, they respect, um, you know, the way that he can relate. Uh, to the guys, and and I think it was a a great hire, and I think it's, you know, everybody, I think collegiately and professionally are fascinated to watch how this unfolds and the success that he'll have.
1: No, you're right, and he came up, I mean, look, he came up, I want to say, You came up the way he came up. Of course, none of us did because he is one of the greatest athletes ever. But to your point, he had to start somewhere, and he started at the very bottom. Like, that was the only job that he could get. That was the only school that would hire him, and he went there, and he did it, and parlayed that into something much bigger. Like, Eric, your basketball life has been amazing. It's taken you around the entire country. It's taken you around the globe. I've got a few friends from Cali that moved to or spent time in Little Rock, and they loved it. They loved it. You're killing it at work, but I'm curious how do you and the family like living there and in that community?
0: No, it's, it's, it's been awesome. Man. Northwest Arkansas, the Fayetteville areas and, and the entire state. I mean, it's just unique, Jim, that, you know, a, a basketball program, a football program, the baseball pro like it is the professional, uh, you know, program, it, like that's what it's all about in this state. And, uh, my wife is, is uh, she was up at five a m uh, went to bentonville and 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 was doing some some work. I don't know if it was charity work today or she was helping at a TV station, but she's busy almost every single day and and kind of to see you know my my wife and 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 daughter and and how they relate uh, to the community and are out um, has, has really been cool to see and 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 they've you know the entire state's really embraced the family. Uh, beyond belief, because obviously we did not have any uh, real connection um, growing up in in San Diego and being from the West Coast. So it's been really, really cool for all of us to experience.
1: One last thought. What do you think Bill would say if you were here, your father, in the way you have completely reinvented yourself, started over, went into the college game, have been a dominant college head head coach? What do you think your dad would say if you were here?
0: You know, I, I think one—it's—it's it's just if you line up the, you know, the the two careers—it's—it's—it's it's, it's really eerily similar, other than the fact that I did not start off in college coaching like my father did at Ashland and the University of Minnesota, uh, but he did, you know, go through the professional ranks, both minor league and NBA, and then went back to South Alabama, um, and and so I, I think he would be proud. I think the the one moment, Jim, that that uh i always kind of have a a little pit in my my stomach or soul is that my dad was not around the day that that i was named head coach of the golden state warriors and we were the, the first father son combinations as head coaches and i you know that moment i think about uh, quite often but i know he's, he's he's probably watching our team play and thinking we we have poor shot selection and <laughs> And we need to be a little bit more disciplined offensively. I know he's probably thinking that for sure. That's funny.
1: And one last thought. So your only loss, Eric, came against a top-10 opponent in Creighton at the Maui Invitational. Quick story. So while while you may not find humor in this, this to me is kind of funny. I was watching that game in another room in the house, and I'm doing my thing, and then all of a sudden my wife, Janet, texts me, and she says, oh, man, Eric is mad. He is hot. I said, I know, darling. I'm watching the game. In that game, you made your run. You came up just short. What was your biggest takeaway from that game and the trip to Hawaii? What did that do for this group?
0: Well, you know, Maui's the the field every year is so good, and it's with 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 our ball club having 11 new players, Jim. It, you know, we had not challenged our team in the first three years at Arkansas that early in the season. Um, but the, but the way they put the tournament on and and the talent that you have to go against. I mean, Creighton is a. It really, they really, really challenge you uh, from a defensive standpoint because they space the floor. Uh oh. Okay, there Many you go. people, many people talk, Jim, about that game thus far being being possibly the best college game in a in a short sample size of a season. Uh, but but Creighton's a great a great team, great program, and. And certainly, I think for all the teams that were in Maui, it's going to make all of us better at the end of the season.
1: I was going to say one last thought. I agree with you. That might have been the best game of the year so far. The point is, the SEC has got six teams, Eric, ranked in the AP Top 25, most of any conference. How important is it then to use that non-conference schedule and challenges like that to ramp up for conference play, which does get underway December 28th?
0: Yeah, there's no doubt, Jim, that 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 was a factor in us doing everything we could to, to play in Maui and and we have a big game, as you mentioned earlier, against uh, Oklahoma this Saturday. That's another, uh, you know, game that's going to help uh, prepare us because right now everybody talks about SEC football and for good reason. Uh, but the SEC basketball, the coaches in this conference, uh, the the way that, that the schools uh, are drawing from an attendance standpoint, I mean, it's, it's a challenge every single night. You know, there's... There's programs, we all know the, the programs that are ranked, but there's a lot of programs not ranked in the SEC that are having great non-conference schedule, uh, records as well and playing great basketball.
1: So Eric, last thought, Oklahoma Saturday, huge, huge game. It's a rivalry between schools that goes back for decades, and you're going to see a lot more of Oklahoma when they join the SEC. What's the atmosphere going to be like on Saturday?
0: Well, I, you know the athletic directors did a great job of, of putting this series together. Lon Kruger, who who I actually worked for uh, with the Atlanta Hawks, he was he, he placed the call originally a couple of years ago. I ran it by the, by the athletic director, and uh, and Hunter Yurechek ran with it. He thought it would be a great series for us, um, which it which it, last year you know Oklahoma completely outplayed us. Uh, but it's a great atmosphere. The game is played in Tulsa, which is a, a neutral site game. It's about two hours from from both, uh, you know, both universities, and so that the crowd is kind of split, fifty fifty. And last year's, I mean, from an atmosphere standpoint, uh, just incredible atmosphere, and, and it gives your players a taste of, of of what a real big game atmosphere will be like. It's an ESPN game. Um, in the middle of the day at noon, at, at local tips. So it's going to be a great challenge for both teams, and, and I think both programs are looking forward to the game. I love that game.
1: I love that matchup for all the reasons you just mentioned. He is the head basketball coach at Arkansas. They are ranked number nine right now, eight and one, and a big one Saturday. Once again, that game is in Tulsa, Arkansas v. Oklahoma. Must do the absolute best. Great to have you back in the jungle. You know I love that conversation, Must. Thanks so
0: much. Thanks so much for having me on, Jim.
1: I'll even start you off with one. My beef, Rogan Loam's Yellow Lettuce. Bro, you look ridiculous. Just kidding. I don't even care. It's still a topic in the house, but I don't even care. The kid's cracking me up. Had a beanie on last night. We had company. Uh, There is something in that lettuce, dude. Lots of bad dye. Why are you rocking a beanie if you were doing that anyway? All right, Tommy, where are we starting? Are we going to start with the social media or the phones? All right, we're going to start social media today. Beef segment. We do it once a week. It's an absolute blast. You can beef about anything you want. Hey, Jim, I've got a beef with everyone who takes forever to tell you their beef. Signed, Jason in Bend, Oregon. Yeah, it's going to be tough to beat that one. I would agree with that beef. He is already your clubhouse leader. Hi, Jim. My beef is with my wife. Man, can she bring the heat. Hey, babe, the Febreze spray in the bathroom is not just for me. Please feel free to use it when you fire off your growler. Love you, babe. Eddie in Cave Creek, Arizona. Number one, dude, that's a bathroom beef. I I don't want it. Number two, I guarantee your wife did not say, feel free to use it when you fire off your growler. No wife speaks like that not mine not yours not anybody's she did not say that oh wait a minute let me see here oh i see what you did there dude you're saying it to her i read that wrong my bad broham all right still i stand by my first point i don't want bathroom beefs kevin writes my beef is with the vampire At producer underscore Tom. Every time I beef about the snowy weather and all the idiots, it passes by. Is it because no, that he is a SoCal guy, he gives him home bad flashbacks to New York City? Hashtag, what's your beef? Hashtag, all beef matters. Hey, Kevin, I can barely even read your beef. Maybe that's why he doesn't pass it along to me. It's not coherent. It makes no sense. Keith Kaufman, quote, my beef is with Eddie George's sandwich. Come on, man. Take a break from your lunch for the Hall of Fame radio man. Hashtag W.Y.B. All right. So that was not a video zoom. That was an audio zoom. So I can neither confirm nor deny that Eddie was eating a sando. Maybe something. But I don't know what it was but I didn't see the video. That was an audio-only Zoom. Romy, my beef, is with my boyfriend. He comes downstairs, and he starts talking to me right when your show is starting. Now I have to pause the show and fall behind. I like to tweet the show when I can. Can't do that if I'm behind. Thanks, babe. Amber in Portland. Hashtag, what's my beef? War lady War Lady Clones. I like that. At Big Mike in CHS, my beef is with the gym, slowly turning into a fashion show. No one cares about your oversized shirt and severely undersized shorts. No one cares about your Nike blazers. No one cares about your fitted hat and beats. Get off my lawn. Get off my bench. I like it. Hi, Jim. You want to know what my beef is? My beef is with people who send a double-sided letter on decorative stationery for a holiday card. Filling us all in on all the activities their kids have been involved with for the last 12 months. Trust and believe nobody gives a crap. Just send a hallmark and sign it. Bella B. in Calgary. Hey, Bella, that's some good beef especially coming from you. That might be your best. Van Smack, my beef is with the participants in the Dr. Pepper halftime challenges. Why do they hand these kids a football who then proceed to chess pass and granny toss from five yards away like it's Bozo's grand prize game? Move back to 10 yards, learn how to throw football properly, and earn your $100,000 scholarship that you will likely waste. Work Canadian clear... Flavored water in the glass bottles. Vaughn in Knoxville. Van Smack. My beef is with my 56-year-old sister who blames our deceased parents for her failures. Hey, sis, you have two kids with two different men with two divorces on your resume. Pick up your stones and move the hell out of your glass house, you ingrate. McKay and Oakland. Tell you what, bro. I actually, I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. I mean, you are airing out your sis on national radio, but your fact, the point is, he's saying, ownership, yo. Be responsible for your own life. Stop being a victim. Stop blaming your parents. Jim. Antonic, My beef is with let-me-get-a-shot guy. At the basketball gym, this is the dweeb who interrupts my shoot-around or pickup game and asks to get a shot with my basketball. Look, one shot's fine, but after your ninth brick, maybe you should take a step in. And of course, after his 20th attempt, when he makes it, he screams so loud so everybody in the gym knows he got a bucket. Hey, moron, go to Sports Authority, buy your own pill, and leave me the bleep alone. V in the fee. Jim Jim Rome Schuster. That's original. (laughs) Jim Jim Rome Schuster. My beef is when you have the radio on, you hear the iconic bass line. You're hoping like hell it's Ice Ice Baby, only to get rickrolled when it's under pressure by Queen instead. Not saying Ice Ice Baby is the greatest song, but it's not complete ass either. Just saying. C and NC we're getting Mr. Van Winkle on a pod. That's good, dude. I like that. Well done. Sean Rohasek, my beef is with the NFL still allowing games to end in ties in the year 2022. Get rid of ties. Hashtag, what's your beef? My other beef is with you, Jim, because you call your wife Dodger Jano, my Tourette's is making me call my wife Bengal Nico. Of course she hates it. Tea in the natty, pimp in the box. My beef is with the bags who lead our weekly teams meeting at work. Every time the meeting ends early, they sign off with "We'll give you back two minutes of your day." Thanks, yo. What about the other 58 minutes of my day that you just wasted on something that could have been sent in an email? Tony and Redwood. I like it. I like it. Hey, Rome, my beef is with store employees always hitting me with a looking for anything in particular today, boss. Or what can I get for you today, big guy? Well, I appreciate the service I'm not sure what kind of bra energy I'm giving off to always get tagged with the nicknames. A can I help you with anything, sir, would be just fine. Eric in LA, I like that too. I don't know what kind of bro energy I'm giving off for you to keep hitting me with these nicknames. Jim, my beef is with my wife. I bragged that our recent water bills have decreased by 10%. Because instead of wasting four gallons of water per flush, I have been peeing in the shower. Instead of appreciating my cost saving measures, she called me disgusting and demanded that I stop. I don't have proof, but I'm pretty sure that 90% of the urinating population goes in the shower. Conserving water and saving money, you're welcome. Brian in Detroit. I'm not even going to open that up to conversation. I have no take. I'm not going to open that up. Let's go to the phones. We go to Pomona. Anthony in Pomona. Anthony, what's your beef?
0: Hey, Jimmy. My beef is people that hate Christmas music. I got some Christmas beef for you. Now, I used to be this guy. I used to be this guy that hated Christmas music all the time, too, until I started noticing everyone else hating it. So now, every day when I go to work, I punish people by blasting Christmas music all day. That's not a good
2: call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Hey, Alvin. Not a very good call.
1: Uh, I'm not saying that you're wrong to do so, but I'm curious why you ran him. Alvin's response is, you mean just like we blasted you? He got run, according to Alvin, because of a lack of phone quality and... He was not able to get to his point. Get off your speakerphone. Do I really need to say that at this point? You're on a nationally syndicated radio program carried by several hundred stations and seen on national TV. Get the hell off your speakerphone. Let's go to NoCal. Michelle, good to have you. Michelle, what's your beef?
0: Jim, my beef is with the mailman who proceeds to take a dump on the fourth hole at the golf course and drops a hepping in the lading room. In a- that's not a
2: good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call.
1: <laughs> Michelle, come on. Michelle, I want to be very careful about doing this in case I'm wrong. <laughs> but that, that's a straight up lie. Nobody does that. You've never seen the mailman take a dump on the fourth hole, not on the green. Not in the rough. Not at the tee. Uh, I'll give you credit for having a detailed lie, but the, a lie nonetheless. Credit for delivering that lie straight. But come on. <laughs> come on, Michelle. I love the way she said that with a straight face, too. Dead it. All right, let's go to Florida. Don. It's good to have you. Don, what's your beef?
0: Jim, my beef is with Logan. Um, why are you choosing all these schools? Make it easy on yourself. Go to Arizona State, have your baseball, and be much closer to your parents. I'm out.
1: I appreciate you. First of all, there's no way in hell he plays baseball at Arizona State unless he can somehow walk on and then never see the light of day. He's not playing baseball at Arizona State. Sorry, but my kid's not going to play baseball where Barry Bonds played baseball or Dustin Pedroia. That's not going to happen. In terms of Arizona State, Maybe. You know what he said to me yesterday? Here's an update. I asked him, what was your leading candidate of the schools that you have gotten into? And you know what he said? Boise State. Oh, one update on Clemson. He was not waitlisted. He was deferred. So it sounds like the Clemson dream is dead. Although I don't think it was ever his dream. Let's go to Grand Rapids, Jack. Good to have you, Jack. What's your beef?
2: Hey, Jim, my beef is with wide right-hand turn guy. Hey, wide right-hand turn guy, stop swerving into my lane when you're making a right-hand turn. You got to realize you're driving a subcompact, not a semi. Do better, you kook.
0: My man,
1: nice job. Do better, you kook. You're driving a compact, not a semi. Do better, you kook. Stay the hell out of my lane. That's strong. one 800 six, three, six, eight, six, eight, six. Got to go to Humboldt. Jay. Good to have you. Jay. What's your beef? Hey
0: Rome. I got beef with full parking lots during the holidays, forcing me to park behind the shopping center and then having to see some dude drop an anchor in the last available parking space. That's my beef.
1: It is the holiday season, dude. People are shopping. People are going to the mall. That'll happen. Get it done early. Or just shop online. What do you mean dropping an anchor? Is that like dropping a growler or is that like dropping an anchor? Why is everybody just blowing it out all over? Nobody took the last space and claimed it as their own by, quote, dropping an anchor. It's almost... Are you saying when you say dropping an anchor, are you saying like you're holding the space? Or are you saying that they dropped an anchor? Like when I said to you, I don't want any more bathroom humor, did you just take it outside? Is that why everybody is now dumping on the fourth hole or in the last spot at the mall? Stop. Let's try Green Bay. Luke. Hey, Luke, what's your beef?
0: Hey, Romy, I got a beef with these people that can't figure out how to use the ATM machine. They stand there in front of it for like five minutes or something like it's the Nassau Command Center to inevitably screw it up and have to start over again. Just get your cash and move your ass.
1: My man, that's how you do it. Get in, get out, set it up, knock it down, keep moving. I like it. Petaluma, Steve. Hey, Steve, what's your beef?
0: Coach Rome, got to tell you, I, my beef is with people that complain about their schedules. You got to beat whoever's in front of you. You got to play whoever's in front of you. I go to work, work hard all day long. I'm exhausted. I come home. But guess what? If I want to score, I got to go against the best defense in the world. I got to persevere. I got to adapt. I'm going to. We got to do better. Don't complain about your schedule.
1: I got you, Steve. I got I'll do one better even. How about this? Don't complain. Don't complain. Period. Don't complain. Period. About your schedule or anything else. Don't complain. Are you above ground? Are you breathing? Then don't complain. One 636 8686 Another good long form beef segment. I like it. Let's go to Pittsburgh. Love the berg. Phil in Pittsburgh. Great to have you, Phil. What's um, your beef? Yeah,
0: Jim. My my beef is um I'm a cashier at Goodwill and people that check out that are still on their cell phones, taking forever to check out.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Phil. That's another thing. Get the hell off your phone. Don't complain and get off your phone. Don't complain and get the hell off your phone, especially if there are people behind you. Let's go to Tampa, Kevin. Hey, Kevin, what's your beef?
0: first-time caller. I tell you, if I don't have enough problems to have an MRI... I close my eyes when I go in the tube, and I open them when I get out. But the whole time, it's like these beeps. I mean, you know, who was the audio guy who said, let's put audio in this machine and make beeps, okay? Like, if the clanking isn't enough, I got to listen to beeps. And then the tech, I asked him, what's with the beeps? And he says, it's just part of the machine. I said, metal doesn't clank in beeps. Thank you, Jim.
1: No, thank you, Kevin. He's got a beef with the MRI machine. That's a first. That's original. A beef with beeps. Kind of claustrophobic, right? Let's go to Houston. Rich in Houston. Rich, what's your beef?
0: Jimmy, my beef is with those callers that just called in about uh, the bathroom takes. They made me spit my midday coffee all over myself. Out.
1: Right? Yeah, I don't know why people think that's funny. James Kelly is the only one who thinks that's funny. No one else does. We're not done yet. Hey, by the way, I got to do that. That's the giant plastic tower of beef, which you hear me knocking on. We do it every single week. We do it once a week. It's on Thursdays. And I will tell you this. The phone call portion of the beef segment has dramatically improved. When we first started, it was almost unusable, but it's gotten much, much better. Let's go to San Antonio. Ed, you made it in. Ed, what's your beef?
0: Hey, Jim. Yeah, my beef, people on social media that don't categorize their pictures. I mean, why force me to have to scroll through hundreds of pictures of your friends and fam just so I can see you in a swimsuit? Come on, step up your game.
1: Ed, Ed in San Antonio. Why should I have to wade through? That's You know that guy. That's make me a sandwich guy. That guy. Why don't you make me a sandwich? Why don't you stop posting a bunch of pictures I don't want to see and just post a picture of you in a bikini and then make me a sandwich guy. That's who that is. Ed in San Antonio. (laughs) I'm going to keep this thing going. Let's try Portland. Ryan, it's good to have you too. Ryan, what's your beef?
0: Hey, my beef is with loud Harley motorcycles that also play music. I do not understand that. Never will. All right. A little random. It's all right, though. Ryan, in Portland.
1: 1-800-636-8686. We're not there yet, but almost. Why don't we try no cow, Kevin? Kevin, what's your beef?
0: My beef is with DoorDash customers who give us drivers a low rating because they requested no tomatoes in their burger. They get tomatoes. Give us a low rating. We're not cooking your food. We're delivering it. What, do you want us to unwrap the thing and check it out?
1: Thanks. My man. I love that. That was so good. Rack him, Alvin. Why are you giving us a low rating? We didn't prepare the food. We're just delivering it. It's not on us. Good night, night.